It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Hi, everybody. Thank you, Mike Ross. Welcome to Episode 9, Season 2 of Leaf Sky. Jim Taddy with you for the next half hour or so. Terry Koshan from the Toronto Sun is our guest. Before we get going, football fans, I'm sure we all have an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. Could it be any simpler? No. No guy it could not. If Sportsbook isn't available in your area, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everybody can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes with their first deposit. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the call to action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Bet $1 on any team to score, and you win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with the promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for complete details. All right. On to the hockey story. So an interesting week so far for the Leafs coming off a disastrous loss in Winnipeg on Sunday night. Columbus at home, a win 5-4, and they got really sloppy towards the end. 5-1 became 5-4, and Thursday night against Tampa, a lot of giveaways, ruined a pretty good effort and, and a pretty good coaching, juggling job on the lineup. 5-3 was the loss to Tampa, an empty netter. Leafs really tried to rally in the, in the third period and almost pulled it off, but this was a sloppy game from several players. There were adjustments made, which I kind of liked. On the blue line, uh, Riley Brody was intact through the game. Muzzin Hall got uh, broken up after the first period. Rubens and Lilligren uh, were the benefactors, so it became Muzzin and Lilligren and Rubens, the kid from the American Hockey League, and Hall. And that tandem, st- those tandems stayed that way for the rest of the game. In the third period, when things needed to happen, and there was uh, some, I guess, maybe some off performances from a couple of wingers, uh, the coach then turned Matthews, Simmons, and Bunting into Matthews, Nylander, and Bunting. He turned Tavares, Nylander, and Kerfoot into Tavares, Kasha, and Ritchie. And that resulted in a goal by Kasha to make it 4-3. Kasha had a really good hockey game. I really like this guy. And as you'll hear in our conversation with Terry Koshan, uh, when he's having a good game, you could move him up. I guess the the downfall from, from that shuffling is that Camp stayed on the third line, but Simmons dropped down to play with him, and so did Kerfoot in the fourth line of Engvall, Steves, and Clifford stayed the same. So it was interesting juggling and, and seeing what it did. It was a nice attempt by the coach to to sort of jumpstart the Leafs. I thought they played a really good third period, but, but came up short, and that was, uh, I guess, paying the price for some sloppy giveaways earlier in the hockey game. Here is the conversation with Terry Koshan from the Toronto Sun. 
All right, you know, one game doesn't really tell you the full story, but there are so many lessons to learn in that 5-3 loss to Tampa on Thursday night. And, and probably the biggest one is Tampa's minus some pretty good hockey players, and they still play with the same structure. It doesn't matter who's in the lineup. That's a lesson the Leafs have to learn. It is, Jim. And, you know, I thought Sheldon Keith made a really good point after the game when he said uh, in winning two Stanley Cups, the, the Tampa Bay Lightning have, have, have worked some of the uh, – have worked the sloppiness or whatever the word was that he used out of their game. And and Keith said, we're not there yet. And you find out what happens when you play a a defending two-time champion with structure. doesn't matter who's in the lineup. You don't have point. You don't have Kucherov. You don't have Sorelli. And it doesn't matter. You're still playing against a really good NHL hockey team. And when you make mistakes against a really good NHL hockey team, you see what happens. So, you know, do I look at the game as a bit of a blip? I think so, because the Leafs have not been playing poor defensive hockey this season by any stretch of imagination. They've been good on most nights. But every so often, you get a reminder of what can happen when uh, you don't pay b- better attention to detail. And, uh, you know, you see what happens when it's when you do it against the club as deep as the Tampa Bay Lightning and as structured as they are no matter who's in that lineup. I was particularly interested with uh, the the shuffling of the lineup because clearly, uh, even though it was two two in the first period, uh, the Leafs bookended power play goals. I don't think they were happy with their five on five play. In fact, they were sloppy. Let's be honest. And and so in the second period, uh, Muzzin and Hall became Muzzin and Lilligren, and uh, Rubens and Lilligren became Rubens and Hall. That was the first set of of, tr- of changes. And you know, quite frankly, Muzzin and Hall struggled big time. That tandem had a rough night. Oh yeah, you know, and you know what? It's uh... I don't want to say it's continuation or whatever the word is, because I don't really think it is. I mean, geez, the Leafs had won 16 of 20 going in, so they're doing a lot of good things. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I, I think Muzzin probably the first to tell you, Jim, his overall play this season hasn't been up to his own standard, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we saw that it wasn't with Hall either. I mean, how many games did Hall sit earlier? Five in a row, I think it was. Yeah. So there have been some, uh, some missteps for that pairing. And, and last night, uh, you know, for Muzzin, it was magnified because it seemingly every time the puck was on his stick in the first period, uh, well, not every time, but two times it stands out, the puck winds up in the net for Tampa moments later. And it just, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens today at practice and, and going forward in Chicago on, on Saturday night as far as those deep pairings go. But, um, you know, there's a lot of time for that pairing to get it together. You just think at this point, after the way they played so well together last season, that this wouldn't be an issue right now. I don't even know if you want to call it an issue, it's, it's, but it is something. And you thought, you didn't think at this point it would have been anything, but here we are. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've seen suggestions that perhaps there should be some load management with Muzzin and that sort of thing. Uh-uh. Let him get through it. Let him work through yeah. it. That would be too much of a, of a shot to his pride. And and he he is beyond a spot where he has earned the right flat not to happen. I mean, he's not he's not playing terrible hockey. He's just not playing up to a standard. And we saw the switch last night. We'll see where it goes going forward. Yeah, I, you know, that the load management thing, I mean, that doesn't work for me. You know, he's a, he's a top four defenseman, uh, and, and it doesn't really work for me with Hall either. I don't think you could load manage anybody on, on the top four. I mean, they're, they're paid to play. Uh, you know, you could load manage him if he was on if he was on the five-six pairing. That could be done, but mm-hmm. not in the top four. I, I, don't, I don't buy that at all. No, I don't either. And you know, you can move them around so they're not they're not playing with regular top four partners like we saw last night, of course, and and Lilligan and Rubens. But no, these guys are here, and um, you know, maybe Hall 
it's funny, you know, Hall sitting out earlier this season, Keith still kind of has that in mind when the, when the idea of the rotation comes up and and I think that's kind of they've come off that a bit now, obviously with the uh, the injury to Dermot. And you know, I think it's going to be a bit before he's back from the shoulder thing. But uh, so Hall's name came up in that. But again, it, it's just to me, um, they're in you know on on every on every given night. You pay to do the job. You work through the the uh, some of the issues that you might have, and uh, you keep going forward. By no means are the Leafs in a spot where people should be worrying about these sorts of things and, and, and you know, uh, pointing to sitting out Jake Muzzin for a game. So I have, I have no idea what he would learn if that was the case. What would it, no. please no. tell me, what would Jake Muzzin learn from that? No, nothing. You're, you're nothing. right. He's going to play his way through it. Yeah. So yeah, you, you, when you have a top four, and I think you go to a top five gym in that regard, because that's what Sandine is now for you. Uh, again, when he's not hurt, um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, they're in, and, and uh, let them get through it, and I think they'll be okay. Well, you know, you have to sort of look at it with perspective. My opinion on this is at some point during the course of the regular season, they were going to have to bring in another defenseman. Now it's mm-hmm. it's Rubens now, and, you know, I, 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 he's got promise. I, I don't know what, what happens to him long term, but, but he's he could turn into a nice defenseman. But, you know, the bottom line is they've got two injuries on the blue line, and sooner or later they're going to have to deal with this, and rather sooner than later. Oh, for sure. Find out what Rubens could do now. Find out what Lilligren can do potentially with with a greater role. Um, and y- exactly, you want to you want to know. You don't want to uh, listen. As great as it is to get through the season without injuries and everything, that, that's super. And if you can, great. But then, if that injury happens in game seventy nine or eighty, and you're putting someone in a spot they haven't been in to start the playoffs, that's less than ideal. So find yeah. out now. You know, Sandine, and as we know, Jim, the injury isn't as serious as they as they initially feared. Um, he's going to be back before too long. Travis Dermott, as I mentioned, will be back before too long. But in the meantime, you do get a look at what some of these people can do. Alex Viega has been a healthy scratch here, as we know, the last couple of nights. And uh, uh, the luxury with him, of course, is that uh, he has played in the NHL uh, quite a bit. He has that experience. So although he hasn't played for the Leafs, you know what you're going to get when you put him in. You find out now with a guy like Christian Rubens, what he's able to do. Um, you know, Keith saying last night after the game, there were some spots where he might have been a bit. I think the word he used was overwhelmed. Uh, but overall, the, I think that he and both Alex Steves up front have come through these two games nicely. But yeah, find out now. So you know down the road. And, and you know what, Jim? If you get into April now, and the Leafs have got a playoff spot sewn up, and they, they likely will by the time the calendar turns into April, if not earlier, um, you know, that's when you can get into quote unquote load management strictly for rest ideas. And then yeah. do a Rubens again, if you have to and keep him fresh for the play, whatever, whatever you have to do, but yeah, get it done now. So you don't have to go, go into May thinking, my God, if we have an injury now, what are we going to do? Yeah. Well, look, we talked on the broadcast or the game broadcast on Thursday night. And, and I asked you about the Spezza suspension and, and when it might be looked at. And, and I mean, quite frankly, uh, unless it's looked at like tomorrow or today, mm-hmm. uh, they play Chicago on Saturday. That's three games in, and then then they're uh, on the West Coast, uh, Edmonton, Calgary, and Vancouver. Eventually, getting to the West Coast. Uh, I don't know that it gets commuted to anything shorter than the six it is. But my point is, is that when you're watching Tampa play and and you're you're watching Corey Perry, you realize how important Spezza is to the Leafs. Yeah, uh, you, you just do. I mean that, and not only just because of the experience and everything else that he brings Jim and you know that's what Perry's doing for for Tampa 
having been around the NHL block a million times, but Spets is he's almost gotten better in the past couple of seasons. Yeah. Yeah, I've been soon there with Dallas and and you know, and the the, the initial days of the Maple Leafs uh, weren't weren't exactly smooth either, being benched initially as he was by Mike Babcock and trying to find a space in the lineup. Well, he, he you don't think of that at all now with Spezza. He's a guy that's on your fourth line. He's we see what he does on the power play. He's become a really uh, a valuable member of your bottom six. Period, and it hurts the Leafs to have him out. Usually, you might look at it and go, "Well, fourth line guy suspended for six games. You take him out of the mix. Is that really going to be an issue for you?" Well, uh, he's missed two games now. The Leafs lost one, and they had to hang on to win the other. I'm not saying that Spezza would have been the, the massive difference maker in either of those games, but he would have given them a better opportunity. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's it's a tough thing for them to, to get past. Um, I think mentally they have they're they're built for things like this. Uh, mentally, NHL players are when you when you have a player out of his stature uh, for as long as six games. And I'm like you, I this whole suspension thing. I mean, the, the appeal has to go to Gary Bettman first, and beyond that, the Leafs aren't satisfied. Then to a neutral, neutral arbitrator. Well, game six of this suspension is a week Saturday in Vancouver. Yeah. You'd be supposed to be eligible to return in Seattle the following night. So time is of the essence. But uh, yeah, excuse me. He has proven to be um, more than just a guy who's a walking encyclopedia, more than just a guy who they love in the dressing room, more than just a guy that they can call vintage when he scores one of those one of those goals that he scores every so often. He's he's a he's a real valuable part of that team, and uh, you know, not necessarily a person you can make up for. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And when you realize his value, then you look out on the ice on Thursday night. The, the guy who um, I'm going to call him sort of the barometer for the Leafs is uh, Kasha. Uh, when he's having a good night, the, the value of, of his performance is you can boost him up in the lineup. Now, they had to because they were struggling yeah. in the third period. So he went from the third line with Camp and, and Richie to uh, being centered by Tavares. And Richie is, is a sort of a, a makeshift second line. And they looked really good, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They really did. And, you know, a lot of the, you know, the Leafs couldn't come all the way back, of course, we know that. But, you know, they were able to get some things out of their game once Keith made those switches, both on the blue line and up front. Kasha is like a, uh, how is the best way to describe him? It's not a secret weapon, because I don't think that's right, because people know who he is and how he can play. But it's kind of a weird way to put it, but almost a little bit subtle, even though he does play that in-your-face game, that suddenly now they do have this option. Yeah. And what did he do last night? He scores two goals for the first time in almost two years in the game. Hadn't done it since January of 2020 with uh, Anaheim in a game against Columbus. So he does that. And he just, um, that energy he brings you, there's a robustness uh, robustness to him, if that's a word. I hope it is. Um, he, he just plays that way. And, and it's not, it's it's the thing that Keith knows what he's going to get with him. And he, he learned that pretty quickly. And again, it's now you can, it's not just on the third line with David Camp where there's been a good pairing. Okay, now Kasha's got, we, we think coming in that if he's healthy, he can score 20 to 25 goals for an NHL team. Well, now you can move him up. Like you said, put him on with Tavares. Nick Ritchie finally scores his first goal the other night. He hasn't been invisible. He's been a lot better in that regard in recent games. And they get something out of that line. Again, we'll, you know, we'll see what, whether it was a one-off or not, but I think, the comforting factor for Keith and the coaching staff is he now knows he has that option. It's one of the things that happens in these games where you're behind and, you know, we find out last night that, you know, the Leafs, obviously they're not on cruise control. You can't just, you know, power your way to win. You have to kind of work for it. And when that doesn't happen, 
then you can try these different combinations and find out what you get. So there's a bit of a silver lining there because Keith now knows that Kasha is an option on that on the Tavares side. And uh, you know, I don't will we see it going forward? Well, I don't know, but as a fallback plan, we now know that it works. We can move. Yeah, and the flip side of that is, while while uh, Cash and, and Richie were promoted, Kerfoot and Simmons were were somewhat demoted. And, and I hesitate to say demoted for Simmons because I mean he should have scored. He got robbed on on a play. Uh, but but I just don't know how long that you could play him with Matthews uh, for a full game because I mean that's just not his role. No, it isn't. And uh, you know I thought he uh, he came in against Columbus and did a nice job there. Um, we were the other bonus, I suppose. We're we're learning with each game that Bunting and Matthews do good things together, and yeah. Bunting and Matthews were, of course, with, with Marner there. But Bunting had really come into his own on that line when when Marner was still in good health, and I think that we'll see that return to uh, you know a trio, of course, once Marner gets back, which you know won't be for a while. But uh, Simmons again, someone who went off the summer gym, worked on some of the things he knew he knew he needed to work on, a little bit of quickness, skating. And although he's not putting the puck in the net with uh, much, uh, you know, uh, regularity, he is able to to fill that hole when you need him to. Is there a long-term thing up there? Don't know about that. Maybe Kashi gets a look with Matthews. We'll have to see. But uh, for the time being, I think, you know, Matthew or sorry, Simmons is showing that he can be put in that spot. And I don't think you could have said that about him last year, especially in the second half when he came back from the injury that he had and just wasn't the same player. So that's, that's a good, that's a positive as well that you've seen that, uh, that, that improvement in his play that the, the staff has the confidence to do that with him. Uh, there are some wacky stats uh, from the game Thursday night. Let's, let's do this. Uh, the Leafs had 38 shots on goal, 15 that were blocked, another 17 that missed. So that adds up to 70 pucks fired at the net. They were 67% in the faceoff dot. And yet I, I didn't, I mean, what the eye test tells me none of that's relevant. How about you? Well, no, because, you know, they wound up losing in the end. So, you know, we can, we can add up all those numbers all we want, but Sheldon Keefe is driving home uh, last night thinking, well, the L is what counts the most. And I'm sure yeah. all the players are thinking the same thing. So, you know, those, those things are all fine, Jim. And, and, you know, they're encouraging, but the fact of the matter is when you don't completely take care of the puck, we can find out that those numbers don't matter a heck of a lot. That's what happened last night. Now, for the most part, they have mattered to the Leafs because they've been winning a lot of hockey games. But you're right. Last night specifically, no. And it is a little a little confusing, uh, or whatever the word might be. I don't, I don't know. Um, when you do own the face-off dot like you do at 67%, like you said, I mean, okay, well, you're led to believe, well, geez, if you, if you have possession of the puck right away for nearly 70% of face-offs, things should go well for you. Um, but, you know, a few other factors last night that ne- might not necessarily show up, uh, show up in any type of numbers is some of the saves what Vasilevsky made. There was a bit yeah. of luck for the Tampa Bay Lightning around their own net. I mean, he made that hell of a save. It was a bunting in that, uh, I think it was bunting in that in that uh, scramble where, you know, Vasilevsky's on his stomach and he kicks yeah. his foot up and the puck doesn't go in. There are a couple others like that where D men were just happened to arrive on the doorstep and cross the puck from, from going over the line. So uh, the least the least did do some good things last night. But you're right, it goes for naught when you don't properly manage the puck when it's on your stick at all times. And like you and I discussed off the top, when you do that against a structured group like Tampa and one that has experience, by the end of the night, you've uh, paid the price for that. 
Well, and that really describes how the Leafs were playing, uh, you know, going back over the month of November. I mean, that's, that's, they were patient. They waited out other teams and, and that's how you win. I mean, that's, that's the national hockey league. Uh, I guess the, the one area that I want to get into, I, and I think the way they're playing now is going to go on for, for a bit. I don't know what a bit is week or two. I, I just think that after you have that unconscious month, uh, you run into some injuries. This is what happens. They're, they're, they're not struggling. They're playing 500, which, which is okay. If that's your Valley, that's okay. Yeah. My concern is, is that we, they have to get Morazic back and playing that, that tandem has to establish itself. What do you think of that? No, I agree with you. I agree with you. And the, the, the heat's on Morazic to come when he does come back Yeah, to perform well, you can't get into a situation where you're, a little bit nervous about your backup going in. And I know we like to think of it as a tandem, but you know, the way Campbell is playing and, and the, the way that they have managed his workload, Jim and, and practices and everything. Um, this is that, that's, that's the treatment of a number one goalie and the team recognizing that. And, you know, unless Mrazic comes back and starts standing on his head on a regular basis, I can't see how they, they're not going to go one on one off. You can't do that. I mean, as much as you want to preserve Campbell for later in the season, I mean, the goal of each night when Sheldon McKeith arrives at the office in the morning on a game day, put the best lineup in that night that gives you the or the line that gives you the best chance to win. Well, that's going to be Jack Campbell on those nights. So yeah. what you want him Razik now is to come back, cross your fingers that the, everything is okay with the groin, and on top of that, perform well. And maybe, you know, so you, you're not going to be in a spot where, uh, you don't want to be in a spot, certainly, where the, where he's only playing in back to back. So I'm not getting at that. You can spell off Campbell a little more, um, a little more commonly, but uh, you need him to play well, and you you need him to do it uh, consistently and have the confidence. Where if the unexpected happens and Campbell has a game or two that's a bit of a rough patch, then you give Mrazic a bit a little bit more of a go at it. But hey, again, Jim, what do we find out in this span? The Leafs have something in Joseph Wall. They didn't, do. Didn't know that a month ago. Couldn't yeah. have seen that a month ago. But I know he's three and one, lost his last game, but he is he is uh he's played with confidence and calm and poise. And you know, Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe now know that they have another option there. Should this Mrazic injury pop up or another one? And given his history. Um, I think you'd be uh, asking for a little much if you assume that Raz is going to stay healthy, not only for the rest of the season, but for the final two years of his league contract. Well, look, this Western trip, so uh, all things being equal, if, if I'm running this team, uh, regardless of what happens Saturday against Chicago, right. if I have games that go from Tuesday to Sunday, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, Seattle, all on the road, uh, for me, that goaltending situation is Jack Campbell plays two. You just rotate them. If Mirazik was there, I don't know if you do that with wall. Probably you do. I, I just would not play Jack Campbell three out of those four games. Well, yeah, especially, well, you, you know, that, you know, obviously on the, on the on next weekend, there's one that he will not be playing because it's a back-to-back in Vancouver and Seattle. So yeah. Mirazik would get one of those starts. Um, and then going into the, yes, yeah, so do you want to play Campbell? Does that mean you want to play Campbell Tuesday, Thursday, excuse me, Saturday? A Tuesday, Saturday. I wouldn't play him in Calgary. I play him right. in Edmonton. Yeah. Right, right. So by then, you're, by then, that's a good point. I mean, you've got because the one thing that least keeps saying with Mrazek is, although he already played a game with the Marlies this past Sunday, is they want to get him into practices, get him back to that feel again, like full practices. Okay. Yeah. So at least really haven't had that this week. Today they'll have one 
they'll have one Monday in Edmonton. They're going to, you know, take the day to travel Sunday OS and practice in Edmonton on Monday. At least that's a schedule now. So he'll, he'll then have that under his belt. He'll have the morning skate in Calgary, assuming that, that Campbell goes that night. And then, you know, I'm not sure what we're going to do on Wednesday, but yeah, get, get him a few practices and uh, before he makes that first start, but Campbell's, you know, as long as everything comes through healthily tomorrow night against Chicago, Campbell obviously gets his first start in Edmonton against Oilers on, on Tuesday and you go from there, but you're right. It's um, ideally that's what you want, uh, you know, to, to, to have Campbell again, not overwork him. Um, so if Cam- so if Mrazic gets a start in Calgary, hope that it goes well. And then, you know, you know, he's going to get one of those back-to-back starts, like I say, but uh, you know, it, it, who knows what the thinking is. If the Leafs take Wednesday off, which they might, that's a full day of rest for Campbell right there. Yeah. So maybe you do start him on Thursday and then just leave him as a, for the it week. Just re- it reminds me of that, that uh, scene from the, uh, the documentary where, you know, Freddie, steady Freddie, uh, he, he can't go. And, and you saw the look in everybody's face and yeah. we're almost revisiting that. If you, if, and I don't know that this would happen, but if you're going to play, if, if Mrazic, you want to take the chance on him on, on the, the Thursday game in Calgary, and all of a sudden you have to wait for everybody to tell you he's okay to, to keep going because it's such a precarious situation. I, I don't really think they need to revisit that type of a situation. No, they don't. And uh, But, you know, they, as far as Mrazic goes, you have to find out at some point. And if he goes yeah. against Calgary, who, you know, has happened to be one of the best teams in the National Hockey League, well, so what? Razak was signed here to, to be that guy for them. And, you know, if it's the first game coming back from injury, what are you going to do? It's, you know, you got McDavid one night, Dry Settle one night, the Flames the next, uh, or Flames two nights later. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe they look at it this way, Jim. Maybe they come off it and go, well, let's do Campbell, Edmonton, Calgary. Um, Razak gets the start against the weak sister in Vancouver on Saturday. Campbell goes back against Seattle. And then the Leafs have, I think, three days off before. They play St. Louis at home on the 23rd. So hmm. the, the fact of the matter is you just want to get Mrazic back to a place where he is comfortable and playing well. And, uh, you know, obviously they haven't had that out of him yet. And here we are almost to the middle of December. Last minute of play in this podcast. All right. There's the time warning from Mike Ross, our PA announcer here and at Scotiabank Arena as well. Time now for a lickety split. Yes guy, no guy. Yes guy, no guy, number one. The team's going to play like this for a while. Oh, yes guy. That's what happens. As I said in that interview with Terry Koshan, this is the team learning to go back to the original template of being responsible, even though you're filling in for people like Marner and Spezza. And, and so you have to get in there and, and, and figure out your role and not give the puck away. So it's a learning curve. And, you know, quite frankly, Tampa's already done that. And, and when you win two Stanley Cups, easier uh, done than said, actually. And, and they did a nice job in that. And that's what the Leafs have to learn. Yes, guy, no guy, number two, the shuffling works. I liked it. I liked that line shuffling in the game Thursday night. I mean, this is a read on Kasha. I mean, it had a really good first two periods. It was very noticeable out there. You move him up. He rewards you with a goal. He brings energy to the team. And, and so, you know, obviously you just, you can't roll those lines if they're not working. That And, you know, obviously Kerfoot had a, a bit of a struggle there. And so you dropped him down. You dropped Simmons down. You moved Cash up. And, and Richie was rewarded for, for playing well, too. Uh, it paid off. So I like the shuffling. I think that's going to continue. That That's a yes guy. Yes guy, no guy, number three. Peter Morazic needs to play. Oh, yes guy. This can't go on much longer. I mean, we're talking about mid-December here. 
And, you know, he hasn't established himself. He's been injured all this time. And then you run through the precarious situation of he plays, is he okay? You have to monitor that. I mean, it's going to take a number of weeks, even if he comes back next week, to get this thing to even out. You want to back off on Campbell as good as he has played. You don't want to overplay him. I, I think that you, you need the tandem. Obviously, Jack Campbell is number one, but a yes guy, Morazic has to get in. Yes guy, no guy, number four. Concerned? No guy. No, no guy. Uh, you know, if you go over their valley, the last five games, they have, they're 2-2-1. Two, two, and one. Not a bad valley, so not concerned at all. Well, hope you enjoyed Episode 9 of Leafs Guy, and hope you come back next week for Episode 10.